Hey there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to another episode of the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Uh, we've got a special guest today. I'm, I'm really, really glad. So on the on the Spirit of Sport, we talk to a, a lot of different guests, and the whole idea is we want to get their their story, understand their journey, but also understand a bit more of their, about their spiritual journey and, and their their walk and, with God and their faith. And this guy here is he's one of the real pioneers in terms of speaking about his faith publicly and, and making that known. Uh, he played 200 games across a 13-year career in the NRL with the Sharks, the Panthers, and was one of the most consistent players the games have seen, scoring 103 tries. Um, that's almost 100 more than me. Um, after retiring at the end of 2015 with the Panthers, uh, Simmons would then dedicate his life to religion and has since become an Anglican minister at Emu Plains Anglican Church. We can chat about that soon as well. Uh, sharing his love for his faith with the people of Western Sydney. Tonight, our guest on the Spirit of Sport is none other than David Simmons. Simo, thanks for joining me. Timmy, uh, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate. Well, like I said, you're you're a real pioneer when it came to uh, faith because I think in the early days, you like Jason Stevens is another one that comes to my mind, but it was yeah. a pretty um it was a pretty unspoken sp- spot. You know, everyone obviously focused on their sport, but no one really talked about their their personal faith or um, publicly. It was like a thing that. It was like it was almost like an agreed agreement that people just didn't talk about it publicly, and then um, you you came along, Steve came along, and you really broke the ice. Like I think in terms of being a pioneer, you really made it uh, a lot more comfortable for people of faith to talk about you know their religion and, and what they experience. Um, how was it yeah, like well, for you though doing it early when I guess it wasn't a you know, a very common thing to do? Yeah, look, I mean, it's funny you say pioneer. I never really thought of it that way. Um, you know, I, I was so encouraged myself by others that, that had gone before, you know, as, as I think always kind of happens. Um, and so, you know, th- there was Jason Stevens. Uh, there was, mm. uh, you know, Brad Mackay was also an- another guy that was uh, someone I looked up to. Um, and, of course, there was, you know, there's been Christians throughout sport that do the same thing. Probably not the NRL. I guess that's what you're kind of touching on. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. NRL was not really – yeah, it wasn't really the the, the place for – to speak about your faith and, and to be really open about that, I guess, um, especially as I was growing up and coming through. Yeah, but you're right. There's, I, I guess I don't see myself as a pioneer because I, I had guys that were, you know, doing it before me and uh, and they were, they were a huge encouragement. Yeah. Well, you're right, though. Other sports, especially American sports, I feel like everyone's, um, you know, quick to talk about their faith and, you know, it's a lot more open and accepting over there, or it used to be anyway. Um, Australia was a bit late to the party. Uh, especially the NRL, um, for yeah. someone like you, and and rugby league, I guess being a you know blue collar sport, and, and people coming through, um, you know traditionally it was known for its drinking culture as well. How did you manage to navigate through you know that kind of culture in sport and and stick to your convictions and, and continue your relationship with God? Yeah, so I guess going back, um, I became a Christian sort of late in high school. Um, just just about the time I'd, I'd started footy, like I, I sort of started playing footy really late as well. Yeah. Um, How so old were you when you started? Doing, so I was, four, I was fourteen. I joined the under fourteens. That was my first footy team. Yeah. Um, that I played in, and it was a few years after that that I became a Christian. So I was kind of I was kind of sort of you know growing up as a Christian and a footy player at the same time. Yep. Um, and so when I came into kind of the, I guess the, the professional kind of, or just, just around the professional ranks, like in the, you know, Jersey flag in second grade. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shock. Um, there was, you know, not many sort of Christians around or at least not many guys that were outspoken about it or sort of open. Um, and so that was, that was, that was challenging. Um, but I guess I always, always sort of, I came in sort of thinking, 
I don't want to be ashamed and I don't want to hide the fact that I'm a Christian because, you know, if you read the Bible, uh, hiding it and being ashamed is not, it's not a good thing. Mm, um, yeah. You know, as, as, as hard as it is, it, you sort of, you're, you're encouraged from the scriptures to, to you know, be a light yeah. and to, and to yeah. be open. And so um, still challenging, but I thought that's, that's what I want to do um, because, you know, becoming a Christian, I sort of realized, you know, you, you come to know God and it's the best thing ever and uh, you, your life is transformed. And, you know, what, I didn't want to hide it because it was so great. And so I wanted to, I wanted that to be, you know, who I was. I wanted my identity to be a Christian who plays football, not a not a footballer who is a Christian. Awesome. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, got yeah, yeah. I, I love that, and I yeah. think that's a really good testimony because yeah, a lot of times, um, athletes and, and rugby league players in general, they find their identity in what they do, and they they if they lose that, so if they get injured or they get you know you know they're off contract or they're playing bad. Um, a lot of times the walls the walls start crumbling down on them because they don't know themselves outside of their their, their job. Um, and it's mm. interesting what you say about your faith because I think that's what anchors Christians in terms of gives them that balance, especially as athletes. But it gives you a balance because you realise that you're more and you're called for more than just to be a footy player. You, that's not what your your life's purpose is. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, and you, you do see that you're right when when people stop playing yeah footy, don't you? Mate, yeah, exactly. And you, you mentioned you're a bit of a late bloomer in terms of playing the sport. What what made you start playing the sport? Um, I just I loved it. Um, so I played soccer when I was a kid, and I, I loved playing soccer, but um, I, I loved watching footy. So I, I remember, you know, Winfield Cup days. Um, I still got vivid memories of you know Dragons Broncos Grand Finals, Steve Renouf tearing down the field, you know, diving into the red in goals. You know, like I, I just I loved footy. Um, I love watching, love State of Origin. Like I, I just, I used to stay up late with my dad and watch that, and it was just uh, so much, so much drama, so much atmosphere. Um, and so I used to, I used to love watching it. And I'd, I'd go in the backyard and you know, pretend to be, you know, all, all the legends in the backyard. Um, and so eventually, I just kind of thought I'd love to give it a crack and just, just play. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of what got me into into footy. But of course, you know, I was this skinny soccer player just trying to play rugby league and so i remember I remember going to my first sort of you know to sign up for, for my first club and they're like oh how much how much experience in rugby league do you have and i was like i don't know zero um you know i just watch on the telly and they're like okay and then they, they looked at me and i was just a skinny fella and they thought okay mate we're going to put you in the b team and at that stage yeah. There was only the A's. There was only the A's and the B's. So it was basically just the, the bottom team. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and not only was I in the B team, I was in the, on the bench in the B team. Yeah. That was my that was my first welcome starting uh, position. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to league and and you know the coach the coach chucked me in um, during a game and I thought you know I know what to do. You get the ball and you run. Yeah. Uh, so I, first touch of the footy took off and scored a try. Your first it was, touch. It was great. Yeah, I'm very much. Oh, nice. it, it was unreal. Yeah. But then the coach, right, the uh, the coach pulls me off as well. Yeah. Um, you know, straight after that, he pulled me off the field and sat me on the bench again. And I thought, oh, no, I've stuffed up. You know, I didn't didn't play to the game plan or something or, you know, should have passed it. Yeah. Anyway, he goes, me, he goes mate, you're going to be in the A team. They're playing next. Just have a rest. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So I got, I got, I got, a, I got um, put straight into the A's after that. 
Um, yeah. and, and that was, that was kind of how the, the footy career went um, from that point. It was just a, you know, just a case of sort of getting, getting moved up the divisions. Yeah. Um, really, really kind of quickly. And, and I guess, I guess the thing that, you know, I, I lacked through that kind of quick rise was um, I never really learned how to tackle. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you, know, you don't have I to was sort of, Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, that was my, that was why, that was my best position. And, uh, you know, I sort of, I, I eventually, I think by, you know, game 200, I, I'd sort of figured out how to, how to stop people. Game 200. And, uh, and, make, <laughs> and make a tackle. But I would have liked to have, you know, played when I was a young kid and, and learned that good technique and all that kind of stuff. I think that would have helped me a lot, but yeah. you know, it was a good, it was a good, uh, uh, it was a good career. I was happy to, to start late yeah, and, uh, and, and do it the way I did. Where, where were you playing at that age? Was it like, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in the Sutherland Shire yep. and um, I was in, yeah, sort of, I started playing with De La Salle Caringbar, which was just across the road from Shark Park. Yeah. Um, Cause I had a few mates, you know, you, you want to play with your mates, I had yeah, a few yeah. mates playing for them. So, so jumped in with them at, at De La, um, played, played a few seasons. Andrew Eddinghausen was from De La and Dean Treister. So I had some, had some good players that Me have gone too, through yeah. there. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when you got picked up by the Sharks? Uh, it must have been the under. I, I remember missing out on the under 15s team. Yeah, I went and tried out for them, but um, did my nail or something and, and couldn't couldn't trial. Mm. Um, and then got picked in the next uh, team, which was like the flag at the time. So it was like the under 17s, I think it was under 16s or under 17s. Yeah. And so start started with the Sharkies then. Yeah, that's and it was a long career, mate. It was such a you're a joy to watch, and um, you know, I, obviously someone who's played in the front row wish they had speed, but um, you seem to to make it like a natural like knack of scoring tries. What what took you from I guess moving to Cronulla to Penrith was that a smooth transition, or was it your time up at Cronulla and you wanted to try something new? Yeah, so you know, the, I guess the, the normal reasons that you change clubs is because either another club wants you more. Yep. Well, the club you're at doesn't want you anymore. So, yeah. unfortunately for me, it was the latter. Um, the Sharkies, the Sharkies didn't want me anymore, and were sort of looking to to move me on. Um, and and that was that was hard because you know I would have loved to have been a, a one club player uh, playing for my local team and you know the team I grew up watching. It's close to go down to Shark Park when I was a kid and watch games. So um, would have been good to stay there, but it wasn't to be. Uh, yeah. And so at the time. The Panthers were the only club that were looking, you know, for a sort of a, at that point, um, a bit of a, a, a backup, outside back, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, who, who wasn't wasn't playing the best, had a, had a few injuries, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the Panthers gave me a, a contract, and that was great. Yeah. Because so, I got to keep the career going. Yeah. She's yeah. a long way from home, Panthers from the Shire. Um, but you end up yeah. setting up your life there. And you still, are you still out there now? Yeah, we're still we're still out west. Um, I remember we I started doing the thing where you, you know a few players have done this where you drive out from you know the beaches to train at Penrith and then drive back. Yeah, Kevin Kingston. Um, oh, Kevin Kevin Kingston was the best. I think he spent I think he spent four thousand dollars on tolls <laughs> over, over his career. He's, he's bit the bullet um, now too, though, hasn't he? He's moved out. He's finally bit the bullet and moved yeah, out west. Yeah, they yeah, they eventually move out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, so for me it was uh, I, I had I just had my second. Uh, kid just before we moved to Penrith yeah. um, and so I, I couldn't I couldn't do the commute it was too hard like training was too hard and coming home to the family with all the 
you know, all the responsibilities there was just too much. So we thought, yeah, let's move. Let's just, you know, fresh start out west uh, with a young family. And so, and so off we went. Yeah. Is is anyone yeah. in your is anyone in your career that you look back on that had an impact in terms of you know mentoring you or something that you looked up to that helped develop your game? Well, footy wise, there's a few guys. I mean, I mean, Jason was great. Um, just from a, I guess a, a a mental kind of point of view, like he was, you know, uh, you know, being a uh, not being ashamed to be a Christian and, and just making that part of, of who you are. So he was a great mentor in that in that space. Yeah. Um, I got to play with got to play with David Peachy. You know, he was just just one of the best, one of the most natural. You know, so he could he couldn't really pass anything on because everything he had was was so unique to him and natural. Yeah. Um, but he he was you know his coolness uh, was something that I really wanted to to emulate. Just how how calm he was and uh, relaxed on the field. Um, Brett Kamali was another guy I played with who made his Noddy, one of the smallest blokes to play play rugby league. Essien's favourite children, uh, favourite sons, old Noddy. Yeah, no, and yeah. he was he was so tough. And he was just a just professional, you know, yeah. ultimate ultimate professional. I uh, love playing with him. And we had we had these two um, two great front rowers at the time when I started, Shane Nutley and Chris Beatty. Oh yes, um, that's tough. You wouldn't you would not believe how fit those two are. Like yeah. they just they had motor they had motors that could just go for days, and they were no nonsense. Um, and they, they were great blokes to look up to. Um, and so you had some had some excellent excellent sort of mentors at, at the Sharks at the time. And it was, it was a great, it was a great place to sort of learn, learn to be a first grader with those guys around. And so in the coach, was it John Lang at the time? So Johnny Lang, I think had just finished and Chris Anderson uh, right. had started. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Chris Anderson was the guy that gave us a debut uh, back in 2003. And what? then Stu Raper came in after that, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did they um? Did they have a chaplain back then at the Sharks? Was that a thing? Yes, yeah, so they've always had chaplains. I think they've been one of the clubs that have been quite quite good at uh, having having people there. So George Capsis was was the bloke that was there first yeah. uh, when I started, and he was he was terrific. He had a lot of time for the team, and he was, you know, one of the good things. You know, good chaplains are there. They're there quite often. Like they're just present. You know, you, you see them regularly. Yeah. So George was was really good, really good at that. He was always around, and he was really, you know, supportive and encouraging. Uh, then when he finished, Paul Stevens, uh, ah, Jason yes. Stevens' brother. Yeah. Yeah. He took over as the chaplain. He was and he was excellent because he, you know, he was a guy that had played footy, um, but he was just he's he's always such a upbeat, friendly guy. You know, just just perfect for a chaplain. Yeah. Uh, so he got on terrific with all the with all the boys. Um, so he was the chaplain until until I left, I think. Yeah, right. And yeah. and when you went to Penrith, that did I have one there as well? Yeah. So there's a guy guy at Penrith, Steve Stubbings. I think he he might almost be one of the longest serving chaplains. Wow. Um, not the longest. I'm sure there's. I think I think Ken Glendinning at at the Bulldogs been. Yeah, he's been. We spoke to him a few but, weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so he's been going the longest, but I think Steve was maybe the second. He'd been there for like eighteen years or something at, at Penrith. Wow. Yeah. And, and so he was he was there when I got there, and so I I made a beeline for the chaplain. Yeah. And just said introduced myself and and just said you know love you love your support, uh, and he was very very willing. And so we had we had a good relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. And right now you're is it correct you're working as a minister? Yeah. 
So when I when I retired from footy, I went and studied at Bible College for a couple of years at Moore Theological College in a in a new town. Yep. And that was that was excellent, and you know really got grounded in understanding the scriptures um, and you know how to apply them in life. Yeah. And uh, it was a really excellent time. You know, going going from a, a rugby league locker room to <laughs> you know a college campus was just so different. It yeah. Was, it was such a shock, such a shock for me. I was sort of, I sort of rolled in, as if it were a footy locker room, and I think I shocked a few people just with you know. The, the jokes that I would pull out and because I was such in a, in a, still, in a, still in a footy mode. Yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. the blokiest, the blokiest bloke in the in the footy club. Yeah, you know, in a in a in a, in a Bible college, and I was like, oh, I've got to watch my language and I've got to, yeah, um, you know, be a bit more encouraging of people, not sort of just putting them down because you know it's like, such the, a the oh, mate, is, it's yeah, such a footy thing. People down. And I, like <laughs> even now, like, post footy, I've ended up working in, in a few different roles, but the what the company I'm at is. The, the thing I like about it the most is the fact that it's got a bit of that footy banter. I'm like, I didn't realize that it's, yes, you know, cause there's other, there's yeah. other places you can end up at that it's very frowned upon to, to keep putting people down. And, and but it's just such a, like, I, I find it funny. Look, it's, I never, there's never any malice in it. And I would never tease anyone unless I love, I love them. Like if I, if I didn't like you or, you know, we weren't comfortable together, there's no way I'd, I'd like, you know, tease you or put you down. But I only do it with people yeah, as, exactly. as, as it's like an endearing thing. Like I just, you know, I, I love you, but you know, it's just a way you can tease each other, and that's how we kind of connect. Um, but a lot of people don't yeah, know that. That's what it was like in footy. Yeah, yeah. and if they haven't been <laughs> in that environment, or they didn't, they're not around <laughs> that. It's um, it's very strange, and like, like some people can take it personally, and it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, and I, I found that you know, apart from like work sites and other kind of those kind of where lots of lots of fellas are, are gathering, uh, most people don't understand it. Uh, and so it, it does come across as kind of mean and you know not that, yeah, yeah. Not that helpful. Yeah. And so you got to you just got to you got to check yourself and just make sure you're aware of the, um, the kind of environment that you're in. Um, and so yeah, college was was not a place where banter was. Um, <laughs> and was you that know, theology uh, you're doing? Understood. Yeah. So um, yeah, theological college. So um, yeah, it's, it's theology and, and philosophy and um, you know, but really you're, you're taking. You're just trying to understand the Bible every day. You're picking it up, you're reading it. You're just trying to, you know, understand what what is God saying. Yeah. Um. And what is He saying, you know, to them, the people that it was written to, but and also what is He saying to us today? Because yeah, the Bible is not just written for people long ago. It's a book for us that God wants us to to read as something written for us and for our encouragement. So yeah. um, yeah, that was basically just doing that day in day out, trying to understand the scriptures. Yeah. I, I don't want to, um, it's probably a very deep question to go to on this, but, um, just, you just touched on it then about, you know, the scriptures being the, you know, the same back then it is now. H- how do you balance, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a bit of a trend where a lot of denominations are starting to, um, not water down the scriptures, but try to modernize it in a way where they're, they're saying that, you know, there's a different time back then and, and they're trying to justify things to, to make it, you know, I guess you know, not as confronting to people that, you know, could be living in sin. So for, for example, uh, uh, you know, like dr- drugs, um, sexuality, um, you know, lifestyle, all that stuff that, um, you know, the, the Bible's got some pretty clear points on, but all of a sudden, um, mm-hmm. you know, you got denominations that are saying, oh, well, that's not exactly what it meant, or, you know, it was a different time. How do you find balancing that? And what was, mm-hmm. the, what was the, the college like when you were going through it? Yeah, so that that's a huge, that's a, that's what, you know, 
that's the, that's the main thing we're doing. Yeah. What, what you've just said is, you know, how do we understand the Bible? Like, what is it? Uh, you know, how does it apply to us today? Um, yeah. that's, that's really what you're trying to do when you're reading the scriptures, and that's what they were trying to teach us at college: is to how to read it well. Yeah. To know what to know what God to know what God is saying, and um, and and I think the big thing that that you know, particularly more college taught us is is to understand biblical theology. Yeah. Um, which is to to understand the 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 one story of the Bible. You know, it's it's 66 books written across 1500 years. Um, you know, by 40, 40 plus authors, but yeah. it's telling one story. It's just, it's a phenomenal book. Yeah. Um, and so they're really just trying to teach you, you know, how do we, how do we understand it? And so biblical theology just recognizes it's, it's one story. It's got one author, mm. uh, God, yeah. and, and he's telling, he's telling this one big story from creation to new creation. Yeah. Um, but, but along the way, uh, I guess uh, he, he reveals himself uh, progressively, you know, or, or bit by bit. Through through the scriptures, yeah, you know, so to Adam and, it, well, and then and then to there's, you know Abraham and, and so on. It's so easy to pigeonhole the Bible as just a book, and yeah, you know, and then by doing that, everyone can go, well, you know, it's not relevant because it was just a book. But the way you explain it is exactly right. It's sixty six books written over so many years, and to all have the same story, it's it's a phenomenon. It's like it's, it's obvious that. There's a spiritual element there that it can't, it couldn't have been written by chance. Like there's no way you can have all those authors have the exact same mm, message yeah. over that long a time. Yep. Um, but because it's all yep. packaged up nice and neatly in one book, everyone can say, "Well, you know, maybe it's wrong and you know, it's irrelevant." Which is, compl- if people knew the background of how it was written and and you know the story of it, it's incredible to think that it all lines up perfectly. Oh yeah, and it, look, it's 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 a hard book to read. Like it, it's 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 very it's quite complicated. It, it is old. Oh, Revelation uh, is different, easy. Different genres, <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> you know, uh, some of the prophets. It's really, but if you if you give yourself some time to understand it, um, that that's that's where uh, context is so important. Mm. You, you talk about um, you know uh, things not being relevant anymore. Um, it, it's all about understanding the context. Yeah, yeah. So at, at at one point, you know, God God gave laws to Israel, which were His chosen people from among all the nations of the earth, and He gave them laws. Yeah. Um. And and that you got to understand that context at that time. And, and then something huge has happened in the coming of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, in, in His death and resurrection, that is, that is, uh, I guess, changed the way God relates to the world. Not in a you know, not not that he's you know he didn't love us now he does love us or anything like that, but it's just it, it, it's so um, time shifting and so important and cosmic that it means uh, some of the laws that um, were given to Israel uh, are no longer in play for God's people today. Things like you know the sacrificial system, for example. Yeah. Um, we we don't we don't do that anymore because it's it's uh, it's been fulfilled or you know surpassed by. Um, the, the things that, that God has revealed through Jesus, and so you really got to understand the context to understand the Bible, and that's really, the, you know, that once you can do that, uh, you can begin to understand, you know, that weird passage in Leviticus, you know, what that's talking about, um, and, and realize how it applies today in a different way to how it applied back then. Um, and so, really, you know, it's it can sound a bit complicated, but um, you know, college was trying to teach us how to how to do that well. And um, it's 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 a lifelong um, journey, and um, you know I'm yeah. still I'm still trying to understand the Bible more and more every day. 
Yeah. And the thing is, like, a lot of people think that the Bible's full of rules that you can't do this. But the, the, the reality, a lot of those, not rules, a lot of those commands and, and things that the Bible talks about is to protect us as, as humans and as people. Like, it, um, mm. and it's funny that people, like, use that to attack Christianity as a, you know, as a, whatever it might be. But the Bible is full, like, the, the central message of it is love and everything in it is around the person of Jesus. So when it says things, mm. it's, it's talking about, so that, you know, we can best live Christ-like and, and understand that, you know, you know, we are to love our neighbor and we are to walk in unity. But um, it's just so easy for people to pick apart things that they can just kind of, in isolation, say, we'll see that, that that's why Christianity is no good. Um, mm. how, how do you find yourself, like, sometimes um, there's a trap to try to defend, you know, in debates where I'm learning, sometimes people want to debate, not because they're, they're trying to get a solution, they're just trying to debate. For, to argue, yep. for an argument. Um, I'm yep. sure in your role, you know, you probably see a lot of that. How do you find yourself not, I guess, not taking the bait of having to find yourself, you know, d- defending the Bible to the point where you find yourself in an argument? Yeah, I, I love that quote. You just made me think of it. Um, yeah, oh, well, hopefully I get it right. I can't remember exactly, but it's something like, you know, I think it was Spurgeon that said, you know, we might, we might as soon defend the Bible as we would defend a lion kind mm. of thing. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. the Bible, the Bible, the Bible can defend itself. Yeah. Is the point that what he was making. Yeah. So yeah. I don't need to be, I don't need to be afraid that, you know, someone's going to undermine the wisdom of God. Um, so that's, that's my confidence. Yeah. That, that's my starting point. I'm not, I'm not going to defend the Bible as if it needs me to defend it. You know, God, God is very capable of doing that himself. Um, and so I, I'm just trying to understand the person really. Uh, in those kind of conversations, I want to. Yeah. I really want to get behind. You know what? What? What's behind this question? You know what? What's going on for you? And and what are you thinking? And and what's been your relationship with? You know, God, the church, faith, um, and, and and really just trying to dig into. You know, what is it that you believe, and and why do you believe it? And just having a conversation with people. I think that's that's always where I want to go. Yeah. Um, with with them and and just be listening. And then when, when, when you have the opportunity, um, you want to be sharing the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just as plainly and clearly and, and lovingly as you possibly can. Yeah. So that, you know, by God's grace, maybe they'll see that too and, yeah. and come to know him as you do. And so that's really, I'm never, I'm never afraid or put off by any, by any questions. Mm. But you're right, you've, you've, got to be, you've got to be wise. Sometimes people genuinely want to know something and it's, it's great to, to keep talking with them, but other times you might meet someone who just wants to um, attack. Yeah, and and you know that that's the time where you can go, okay, like we can walk away from this. It's not going to get us anyway. Yeah, yeah, correct. I love it. That's a great quote about defending a line. <laughs> it's you're right though, and yeah, you have to look it up. I can't think the exact words, but that's right. The the Bible defend, can defend itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and just in terms of, I guess, society as a general, like you look at the Western nations that were built on, you know, Christian values and principles. Um, are you, do you tend to see, are you more optimistic or are you pessimistic in terms of, you know, where I guess society is headed in general? Cause I feel there are times where it, it feels like Christian values are getting, um, frowned upon and it's, it's a lot, you know, what was one, once an acceptable, you know, even just a simple thing like the family unit, a lot of things that were always, you know, just normal values of a Western society. They seem to um, be, I guess, degenerating a little bit. What's what's your views on that? Yeah, um, 
Yes, I've I've tried to sort of keep up with um, some of those great books that are coming out that, that talk about this stuff, mm. um, and, and they've been they've been really helpful. I think I like um, books by Carl Truman and um, oh, the guy Glenn Glenn Scrivener has written a good one called The Air We Breathe, uh, yep. which is you know more more pitched at my level, which I was very happy with. And, <laughs> um, and uh, you know Steve McAlpine's written a good one about being the bad guys, you know Christians being the bad guys. Um, you know, in our culture, and and so they're they're really helpful. And I think, um, yeah, I think what they all point out is is so true. Is that yeah, we we live in a society built on Christian values, um, but I guess we're sort of uh, we're not acknowledging where they come from. Um, so we we it's almost like we want we want the kingdom, you know, without the king. You know, we want the we want the good things that come from 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 jesus but we don't want jesus that kind of that kind of idea um you know so we want you know human rights um and that kind of stuff and you know um sort of care for the poor and that kind of thing but we don't know why we want it Um, yeah we don't realize it's it's actually it's actually come from a a christian value and uh, glenn Glenn scriven has got a great opening to his book where he talks about the the night before christmas and what that what he's talking about there is the way the world was before the coming of Jesus. Uh, it, it was so different uh, to the way our world is today. Mm. Um, the values were so different compared to our world today. We would look at them and, and just think that is just a, a that's another planet they yeah. were living on. Uh, and that just barbaric. shows you how much yeah, yeah just bar- barbaric practices and things like that. But mm. that just shows you how much you know uh, Jesus revolutionised the world. Mm. Um, and so you know, optimistic, pessimistic. I think I think the Bible is 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 showing me that I should be pessimistic mm. about the I guess the the goodness of humanity. Yeah. Um, it, you know, there's nothing really super duper about humans except that we were created in God's image. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 have lost that through our sin and our rejection of God, and so it doesn't tell me to put much hope in humans. Um, and so I guess in that sense I'm pessimistic. Yeah. But I, I guess the the optimism, or, or you might say the the hope. I know I know someone who's called it hope optimism. Um, <laughs> is that is that you know in in Jesus uh, we have the 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 perfect man, you know the one who did not sin, uh, the one who takes away our sin and rose again, and it's in him that he's creating a, a new humanity. Um, so a humanity who believe in him. Uh, who are, who are, I guess, part of his kingdom, and and will be forever, and and he tells me that one day that will come to its fulfilment, and yeah. this world will pass away, and then and the new heavens and new earth will will be forever. So that's where my hope is. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely not it's not in human powers, of education or reason or science or whatever. All those things are good, and I, I love those things. Um, it, it's in, you know, the return of of Jesus and the kingdom that he's going to establish forever. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm both, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mate, tell me a bit about your, your clan, your crew. You got a, a big family. Uh, can you tell the listeners <laughs> yeah. listening how big and uh, a bit about them? Yeah. So I've been married to Sammy um, for a good number of years. This, the, the exact number eludes me at the moment. We are married in 2005. Yeah. Um, so that's what's that? Seventeen years. It does, it's not important. It is important, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Oh well, I'm sure it's important uh, to her. Great. <laughs> she's 
she's great. She's lovely. Yeah. Um, and we have got four kids. Um, the eldest is now 15. Yep. And the youngest is eight. Yep. Two girls, two boys. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna a, a boxer dog that we that we love. He's a he's an absolute punish. He's so annoying, but he's he's another beloved little furry member of the family. Yeah. So yeah, so we you know we're very very blessed by God to have have a great family, and um, yeah, it's always busy around here. There's always lots happening. I can imagine. And how does it work? Um, are you the head minister at your church? Are you guys very involved with the church? Is that um, you know is there a lot? Are you carrying a lot of burden in terms of you know the I can imagine as a minister, there's so many um, people's issues that you got to help guide through, and you know I always laugh that counselors probably need a counselor themselves sometimes. How do you go? How do you go about you know navigating through, um, you know, leading a church? Yeah, so I'm I'm the assistant. So okay, there's yeah, someone else who's you know got more responsibility than me, which I, I don't. That's mind. great. It's like the assistant um, coach. You can kind of it's so much it's so much easier. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They get it. They get all the praise and uh, yeah. no responsibility. So yeah. So so your role as a, I guess a two IC, um, you know, second in charge over there. What what does that involve, and and what's your role look like on a weekly basis? Uh, yeah. So I do a lot of lot of things around the church. So do do a bit of the preaching uh, on the Sunday. Uh, I'm also looking after the youth, so the students at the moment. Uh, that's like a Friday night youth group and and some Sunday. Smaller groups, we read the Bible and pray together. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, just look at us sort of, we, we're trying to connect with the community. So do a few things during the week um, to connect with different groups in our community and uh, hopefully, you know, let them know, hey, you, you can come to church. Church is for you and, uh, and yeah. invite them along. And hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get to know us and get to know God through that. Uh, but, you know, just, just lots of ways we're trying to love people. Um, yeah, so a lot of my job is, is kind of word ministry things like writing talks and, and um, materials and, and doing things like that. Oh, yeah, also, you're right, the pastoral care stuff is, is a big part of it. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's like the counsellor needs a counsellor. Yeah, yeah, ministers, um, you know, need need ministers as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you do things, you know, for your professional development and, you know, sort of personal care things. And, and uh, they're really, the church I'm a part of, uh, the Anglican Church, uh, they're doing a, I think a pretty good job of caring for their ministers and giving them every kind of help uh, they can get so they can do their job well. Yeah, that's that's unreal. Um, and your wife, how did, I guess, how did she, like I know as a wife of a rugby league player, you know, it's a rollercoaster ride as well. Um, how has she coped, I guess, through your career and even now into transition um, into the church? Yeah, well, you know, she, she was a great supporter. She's watched more footy games than than anyone I know. Um, <laughs> she's she's great. And she would cart the kids along to the games, you know, in in, in prams, in, you know, baby Bjorns, changing nappies, you know, cleaning up food. You know, she she did everything. So yeah. she's um she's a great supporter and uh you know, she she's a believer as well and, and very involved in our church. I think the thing she really doesn't doesn't like is that you know, playing footy, weekend job, yeah, and our church, <laughs> yeah, it's largely a it's largely a weekend job. So her weekends have always been uh, taken up with activity. Yeah, I um, I, I retired, and same thing. My wife thought she's got me, her husband back for the weekends. And I went to media where I was starting to commentate on the weekend. So I literally just, re- <laughs> I actually did more work yeah. on the weekends than I was when I was playing, um, which was a I know, yeah, a big adjustment. And even in general, like you, you as a player, your week is so it's pretty cruisy now that you look at it back on it. It's um. 
you know, you, you got days oh, off during the yeah. week, you're finishing training sometimes at one o'clock in the afternoon and, and there's a lot yep. of free time, yep. whereas in the real world, it's, it's not exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got so much time. You, you need so much time to recover in footy. <clears throat> yeah. But recovery just means, you know, doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty, <laughs> exactly. It's pretty, pretty relaxed. Pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, what's the future look like? What's the, you know, if you sort of similar see himself in, I guess, five years' time, is it similar kind of role, same path? Yeah, look, um, I think I think one of the things that we're looking to do is to, um, you know, eventually be leading a church somewhere. Yep. So becoming the becoming the, the head coach, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Um, stepping into that role. Yeah. And uh, not sure when that'll happen or where, but that's that's uh, sort of progressing toward that, hopefully. Uh, but you know, for now, just really happy where where God's got me and yeah. doing the best I can around, you know, Emmy Plains and and around Penrith. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, I'll definitely be you know still involved with footy, hopefully, and um, and you know the kids will be growing up. So you know, I'll have a I'll have a twenty one year old in, in five years. So yeah, we'll wow. see how that goes. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, mate, we're we're yeah. so grateful for your time, and like I said, I personally I'm so grateful for that. You know, I, I keep saying pioneers, but you, you know what you and Steve Owen. Those guys of the early days that were weren't afraid to be courageous about their faith. Um, you you have no idea the, the the path you set forward and the I guess the glass you shattered for so many future athletes to come out and you know now we see players praying on the field and praying in the sheds and like it's a lot more of a um, you know players are a lot more comfortable um, in who they are and, and their faith in God and a lot of that has to do with what you guys did in those early days and um, it's great yeah. to see you following that even now in your post football career um, you know. Well, career, you know, your post-football life, um, helping and mm. making a difference for the kingdom, mate. So we're very grateful for what you've done. And uh, I thank, thank you for your time as well, mate. Great. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks, Simo. Cheers, mate.